0: Welcome to Stop Telling and Start Listening with David Cook. If you're frustrated with the way we are speaking or not speaking to each other, if you find yourself easily at odds in your conversations with people, this may be just the show for you. Listen in as David and his guests will help you elevate your communication skills and navigate the tensions present in many conversations today. Now, here is David Cook.
1: All right, let's get started. Welcome, everyone, to Stop Telling and Start Listening. I'm your host, David Cook. You know, this is one of these uh, Mondays are always an exciting day for everybody, right? Well, I had a very exciting Monday, but uh, before I get into that too much, let's just remind everybody what Stop Telling and Start Listening is all about. It's a journey where we have an opportunity to um, gain some insight and perspective from um, uh, other people in our community who are passionate about listening, whether they're coaching or they're uh, pastors, like we have today. But it's an opportunity to learn from the perspective of others how they use listening as a form of communication to solve problems, build relationships, and just um, you know build build confidence and trust with amongst each other, build community. Um, today's guest is Chad Balou, and I'm going to introduce Chad shortly. But as I do with every show spend a couple of minutes providing a little perspective to everybody about uh, why why we're here today and why I've invited Chad to join us. Um, you know, I met Chad, uh, believe it or not, it was uh, over three years ago. He gave a talk at, at um, my church. And the interesting thing about that talk was is that Chad was talking about um, listening and his, his views on listening were so closely aligned with mine is that I joked with my uh, wife and my son that, Chad stole my PowerPoint. Mm-hmm. Um, so I it, I'm, I'm, I'm know I'm going to have a very easy conversation with him today, but uh, I thought I would set the table by telling a little story, not the story of the chaos of trying to get my microphone working today and Zoom working today, because that's too long a story. But um, um, Chad has a quote in his bio that I wanted to reflect on before I introduced him. And it was that he has never met a stranger. And I love that. Um, my kids, you know, uh, talk about all the time. Is I have no problems, issues, qualms, fears about walking up to somebody and just saying hi and start talking to them as if I knew them, as if we were engaged or something like that. And and the fun part about that is is that it's enabled me to build um, a, a pretty nice community. Not necessarily people that I know, but it's like. I found that people will appreciate just being engaged. They appreciate being connected with and being talked to. Um, and so, you know, I've, I've found that initiating conversation and just being attentive and being a listener and being one of those people who just kind of hangs around and observes, um, people catch on to that. And they realize that you're curious and that you're interested in are sincerely, you are sincerely safe. A couple of years ago, my dad, um, unfortunately passed away um actually be 2 years this march but one of the things that uh when I was sitting with my brother and my sister and my stepmom and we're in the house about a week after my dad passed and um we finally found the family slides my dad was a a, a passionate photographer and back in the 60s 50s 60s and 70s my dad took everything all of the pictures that he took were on slides And he would have these huge carousels. We had about a dozen carousels of about, you know, 60 or 70 pictures of these slides, family vacations, birthdays, you know, significant events and all that stuff. And so we finally, you know, went through the closets and we retrieved all these slides and stacked them up and everybody goes, okay, now what are we going to do? And, you know, my brother said, well, what we need to do is digitize those slides. And I said, yeah, what a great idea. You know, we need to find somebody who uh, can do that. And the minute they said, we need to find somebody, I looked at, you know, my brother and my sister and my stepmom, you know, I said, hey, I got a guy. And then my stepmom laughs and she says, of course, Dave, you got a guy, you know, and that's, that's, that's the network. That's what happens when you talk to people and you find out what they do and they share stories about who they are and where they are and what they do and why they do. And next thing you know, you have this Rolodex of people and things and stuff that no matter what it is, I got a guy. Um, I, you know, I have a client who, uh, one of their employees has season tickets to, uh, university of Michigan hockey. I used to have season tickets to university of Michigan hockey before I moved to Arizona and I gave up my season tickets. But when I'm in Detroit now is all I do is I call my guy and say, anytime these are the weeks I'm going to be in Detroit for work, any chance I get some tickets. And so I get these really nice tickets to Michigan games because he can't use them because his kids are playing their own hockey. So every year I go to a couple of games, uh, University of Michigan hockey games, because I got a guy. And so, you know, that's that's the power of communication and connection. And I know that, you know, obviously, you've heard me talk and you've heard me do some things. It's obvious that I am naturally outgoing, that I'm naturally gregarious, that I naturally like to connect with people. So it's, you know, by personality, I'm a little bit different than everybody else. But that doesn't prevent us from being able to connect with others, even if we're not naturally inclined, it's the idea of understanding what the opportunity is in being able to connect to others when we get the chance. And so that's what we're going to talk to uh, Chad about, um, how he has uh, developed his listening skills and move forward from that. And so I'll give you a little bit of a formal introduction to Chad before we get him going here. Um as I said Chad gave a talk at my church because that's what he is is he's uh he's the lead pastor at a church in San Antonio called the Arsenal. It's a young vibrant church um in in Southtown which is the arts district of San Antonio. But the interesting thing about Chad's background is is that he was a former US Army interrogator and a mo- motorcycle shop owner. So his path to becoming a lead pastor isn't normal for um you know typical of a pastor but you'll find that pastoring people and connecting with people and being engaged with others really is in his heart. And he started his ministry journey through youth and adults ministry. He had a passion to see the next generation take holds of the truths of being unconditionally loved by their heavenly father and the absolute freedom, which you find in the in the grace of a life in, uh, with Christ. Uh, Chad is married. He's got uh three crazy boys. And fortunately for him, he also has a daughter. And I can just attest to the fact that the greatest gift of my life is my children, but there's something special about my daughter. So I'm glad Chad, that you have a have a a daughter that you uh, can have that connection with and, and build that really unique, special bond that only comes from daddy daughter relationships. Um, Chad loves being a dad. He's uh, slowly falling behind (laughs) their energy level every year. Don't worry. You, you get to a point where they start to fall behind too when they get into their thirties and forties. So you'll be all right. Um, but Chad's never met a stranger and I love that. And he loves, uh, having a local church and he's also a bit of a coffee snob. I don't think we'll talk about that, but I've run into a few who are like that. And, uh, it's very interesting because I never thought of coffee being like wine, but, uh, I guess it can be, it has noses and fragrances and fruits and all that other stuff. So, uh, um, I get it, but, um, Chad welcome to today's show appreciate having you on
2: and hey thanks so much for having me I'm excited can't wait for us to have this talk
1: you know I'd love to talk about coffee because I'm thinking about it but anyway um (laughs) let's let's lead in with the uh the stranger thing because I know you talked about it in in your in uh, in your presentation three years ago too uh you've never met a stranger what does that mean to you yeah I just think people are fascinating and so um
2: i i'm the guy that when i walk in somewhere um i want to meet everyone (laughs) and so um and and my wife constantly will be like how how do we go somewhere and you already know somebody you know like i'll walk in no matter where we're at i'll usually run into somebody i'm like oh i met him and this is kind of funny as i'm listening to the the bio I realized that coffee for me is actually just a connection point. It's a community thing. Um, and there's so many times where like, we'll come somewhere and I'll just start talking to somebody. She's like, how do you know them? Like, oh, I ran to them at a coffee shop one time and just started a conversation. <laughs> and so um, yeah, I, I I have no no issues just asking somebody about their shoes or, you know, what they're doing or, you know, what brought them to this coffee shop or this part of town or, you know, I'm, I'm always, I'm always up for, for a conversation just to, to find out what a person is doing or who they are. And so it's, it's a blast for me.
1: Is that something that you've done um, all along? I mean, do you realize that when you were a kid or young, much younger, that, that that was your thing? Yeah. I, I mean, I've just
2: always been the, the talkative kid. I remember uh, it was fourth grade my mom tells a story about how my uh, my report card got sent home and I'd done really well on all my stuff. And, you know, we used to get these like satisfactory unsatisfactory and then every once in a while you get an E for like exceptional or excellent, you know, in different like categories, mainly for like um, your behavior. And she says in fourth grade, I got a report card sent home. Everything was good except for, unsatisfactory and the teacher put a note Chad would talk to the wall if I put him next to the wall I can't get him to stop talking to people <laughs> and so I guess it's just if it's just who I am um, I yeah. love talking to people and so that, that's what I do
1: that's great oh, obviously being um, in the role of a pastor conversation and communication and interaction is extremely important um, in that arena but um, I'm curious is that you you um, you're, you're formally trained as an interrogator. How did that come about? Yeah, I got a, uh, random, I was actually in Bible college. Um,
2: I was, had made the baseball team. I was getting ready to play baseball at at our Bible college. I got hurt. I was at home and I got a, um, I got a phone call from an army recruiter that was asking if I, um, if I'd like to come in and talk about the army and I was at a point where I wasn't gonna be able to do, um, school anymore. I'd gotten hurt. So I couldn't play and I wasn't going to go back to college and it just seemed like a good idea. And so when I went in to do the interview with, uh, the recruiter, I got, I took the test, did everything. And then I got offered a couple of different jobs in the military. And one of them was, um, a, a human intelligence collector and which is what the army calls an interrogator and I ended up um, there was that option there was another option which was literally listening it was a cryptologic linguist which the cryptologic linguists sit with headphones like you're wearing today and they listen to conversations and uh, they just translate those are my two options really in the intel world and I was like I don't think I could just sit in a room and just listen constantly. Like I need to see people and interact. And so uh human intelligence collector was the op- offer they gave me. And, um, I was like, you know what? Sounds good. Also my recruiter told me that job will probably never deploy and, um, come to find out recruiters lie. <laughs> and So <laughs> that was not the case. I deployed pr- pretty quickly after training and did a couple, uh, yeah a couple different uh tours but yeah
1: it was it well, was good maybe, training maybe it was just that you were so good at what you do they decided to break the rule and and deploy you <laughs> yeah i don't think that was it
2: <laughs> i think he was just trying to check a number and i uh i did it and i don't it, think he honestly i don't think he understood what the job was completely anyway
1: but i enjoyed it i really yeah did. when so how long you deployed a, a couple of times where did you deploy yeah, I did two tours in Iraq. Um, mm-hmm.
2: So Baghdad, the first tour, and then just south of Baghdad, the second tour.
1: And your responsibility then was you were when uh, interrogating. So were you were listening to conversations like you said, or were you actually meet, sitting down with meeting with people and talking to them and that kind of stuff? Yeah, no, I met with people. Mostly um, I ran sources. So
2: I would have local Iraqis that I would recruit to bring in and give me information. And so... I sat across from people, went out and did meets. Um, so, yeah, I, I mainly ran sources. Then, part of the other the other part of it was interrogations. If we detained people, I did um, I did some of our interrogations. Then I ran a whole interrogation team of interrogators. My second deployment.
1: Wow, that's pretty interesting. That's probably a whole. We could do a whole show on that alone. Probably right. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot to it. It was it was fascinating. Fascinating work. What was the what was the one thing that you learned about um uh interior in, you know listening to people um in that in that training what was like one big takeaway that you carry forward today or is there more than one
2: yeah there's a ton but I think one of the biggest ones is just um the learning and the practicing of follow-up questions so exhausting the information um, on whatever topic you're talking about by continuing to ask okay yeah what else Hey, tell me more about that. Um, You know, what, what, yeah, what else, what else, what else? And just exhausting that, that topic. Um, And it was really me just getting someone to talk as much as possible. The more I could get them to talk, the more information we could get.
1: Right. Right.
2: So (laughs) follow-ups. Well, you
1: know, (laughs) Well, we're going to, we're going to take a break right now really quick, but when we come back from the break, let's talk a little bit about that because, um, a lot of the guests that we've had on beforehand, that's what they talked about was, you know, listening to what was said, what was not being said, but making sure that we had a, uh, we we followed up in ways, you know, we heard something, we follow up with it. what do you mean by that? Or, or tell me more and that kind of stuff. So let's, you and I dive into that a little bit, because I think that that's really the key is, is. Uh, to to having good learning conversations and listening conversations is how we how we help people go deep and yep. what that means when we look like that. So stay tuned and we'll come back and we'll talk a little bit about uh, going deep and what that looks like.
3: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. We are living in a time where a relentless commitment to opinions and beliefs are dividing communities and fracturing crucial relationships. Making ourselves right and those who disagree with us wrong leaves little room for engaging in a constructive learning dialogue. There is little opportunity to change minds, find common ground, or solve complex problems. Those who are not being heard or understood become angry, hurt, lost, isolated, alone, and more. While mental health-related issues are on the rise, too few know how to safely share their struggles, and far too many don't know how to care about those that do. While it is increasingly frustrating to experience an increase in this communication divide, there is hope, and according to David Cook, there is an answer. The answer lies in how we adjust our communication style and shift our listening behaviors. In his radio show, Stop Telling and Start Listening, host David Cook introduces his audiences to the power found in creating a safe place for sharing life perspectives and experiences without judgment, criticism, correction, or shame. There are tremendous opportunities in learning to see the world from the eyes of another. Join David on Mondays at 11 Pacific, Discover how shifting your listening behaviors will close the divide that exists between you and others in your community.
0: You're listening to Stop Telling and Start Listening. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Or you can email Dave at dave at the Cook Group LLC.com. Now, back to the show with David.
1: All right, welcome back, everybody. This is David Cook, and I'm with uh, Chad Ballou. And we were talking uh, before break about Chad's experience as a, a military interrogator uh, with a couple of stints in Iraq. But one of the things that Chad said the greatest lesson that he learned um, in in being trained this way and that kind of stuff was asking the follow-up questions. Um, in fact, follow-up until it reaches a, an end point. So tell me a little bit more about that, Chad. Go into a little detail of how that works and some of the tips and tricks that you've discovered to do this in a, in a normal sort of way and uh, conversational style. Yeah. I mean, I think you said a, a key point of following up until you
2: kind of reach the stop point of that, whatever that segment was. Um, so we would do the you know five w's the i always forget them who what when where how why and, why. <laughs> and what like how's the how's the the offshoot there but um and you know we, we would ask those questions and then keep following up and then once that that was exhausted we go on to the next all right next question um and i think in in normal everyday life where i'm not you know just interrogating somebody who has to sit there and listen to me or or has to sit there and talk to me um i think the follow up is just actually listening to the person and not not trying to formulate your next res- response um and so it's learning like the art of listening a lot of it is is learning to actually be present and to be um very focused on what is being said to you rather than what you are, how you could reply or what, what your answer could be. Um, I think a lot as a pastor uh, for me has been people typically, you know, don't come to talk to the pastor when things are just going great. It's usually when, you know, life's kind of knocked them down or, you know, they're, they're having some struggles and they're usually looking for an answer and I tell our community all the time like hey I'm not the answer guy never will be I, I that's not me so I'll continue to ask you questions cuz I think a lot of times we we know most of the answers to what we're trying to figure out um, and so there's a lot of questions there and I'm a big I'm a big believer in hey I'm not a therapist so if you come to me and it gets to the point where you can't answer the questions and we can't get you there. You're, you're asking me for the advice Then I'm like, all right, let me just, I'll, I'll take you to somebody else. Who's, who's more trained in this. Um, but I, I think for me, it is, there's a, there's a saying, um, that I think it's, uh, Stephen Arcovey He said that most people do not listen with the intent to understand. Most people listen with the intent to reply. Um, and I think it's trying to learn how to listen in order to understand um, is the the art of this is the the learning to
1: practice good listening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's interesting because I I'm in that same same boat with you. Is, is that you know listening? In fact, I, when I was explaining the the nature of this uh, radio show and what I you know, a concept that I call selfless listening, which the, you know, the idea being a selfless listening is I remove my filters to the best of my ability. Obviously I have filters, but I try not to inject myself into a story, no judgment, no criticism, no interruption, that kind of stuff, no correction and just focus on what's being said and see what I can learn from that. And like you said, take the conversation as far as it can go with the person that I'm having a conversation with sharing their story their view, their struggle, their challenge. And somebody said, you know, one of the persons I was explaining it to finally says, you know what it is? It's just about paying attention. That's all it is. And I thought, yeah, it's it's that simple. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That <laughs> in, simple. <laughs> in in theory, right? In, in theory. theory. Yeah. But um, it's, it's um, what do you do? You know, because it's kind of a rhetorical question, but if you want to take a stab at the question, what do you do when you're having a conversation with somebody and they, they start to share their story and you feel like they're, they're misrepresenting their story. You know, I mean, how do you sit in their truth? Yeah,
0: <laughs>
2: no, that's a, I like that. It's a rhetorical question.
1: <laughs> you don't, you don't want to take a stab at that? No,
2: no. I, I mean, I think, yeah, listening, um, but, but to them it might be their truth in that moment. And so I think, being willing to go with someone there. Um, Like if this is where they're at and this is their truth in this moment, then let me, let me go with you there. Um, And maybe there's a, if it's, if it's something that's like, Hey, this is really harmful um, for you as a person then I might, I might try to find a way to interject, you know, later in the conversation of, Hey, what, what, have you ever thought about it this way? Uh, But for the most part, I want to hear where you're at. I want to hear your story because it's where you're at is where you're at. I can't, mm-hmm. I can't say, no, 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 that's not, that's not right. And you're like, well, the, but for me it is. And so I can't convince you otherwise. If I feel like I can't convince you otherwise, unless I can am willing to sit with you in it and be willing to understand what got you there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the more often I can sit and be willing to just yeah, let me hear where you're at, and and not try to convince you that you're wrong, <laughs> like, um, because because I can, and like we could we could try that, but we're gonna leave that conversation, and I think at that point I've just become a less safe person for you to have a conversation with. Mm-hmm. Like I I want to be a safe space for you and a safe to open up and to tell your stories and to work through your struggles but the moment I become the the fixer I'm no longer trying to understand mm-hmm. understanding doesn't mean fixing oftentimes so mm-hmm. I ain't trying to keep that in the back of my mind <laughs> I'm I'm here to listen I'm here to to work with you through this this part of life and where you're at so yeah, as yeah. long as fixing is not my job
1: and I'm not really good <laughs> at it anyway. <laughs> Well, one of one of my one of the first guests that I had on was uh, Kate Turner, and actually, we had a we had a conversation about that. In fact, she changed my coaching style because I felt like I was supposed to at the end of my learning exercise help, which meant was my way of fixing it. And Kate was saying it's not my responsibility. So you can hear what you're saying. I can hear what you're saying. And we, we, basically, um, broker a conversation or in my struggle by the way you, you know, by the way you curate the conversation. And I thought that was really powerful because now I've gone. One of the things that I do is that, I may try not to uh, and um, do the best I can to learn as much as I can to learn. Unless somebody flips it and says, what do you think? Then usually what I'd say to them is, I have some ideas, but tell me what you think. Where do you think you need to go from here? What does your heart tell you? You know, if you could make a decision or a move or something, what would you do, and why would you do that? So I get it back into the conversation as a of um, discovery, as opposed to the conversation of me giving them an answer, which is the which is the easy path. It's a short path, but it's not the most productive path. Right. Yeah, so, I think
2: that the more so I, I can ask questions in the conversation, the better I feel about. All right, I'm I'm actually practicing this art. If I'm if I'm asking questions, then I'm then I'm going in that direction. Even like conversations like this are uh, are tough for me because I'm like I want to ask questions, but that's your job in this one, so I'm gonna let you keep well,
1: doing that. <laughs> well, you can you can flip the script anytime you want, but then we'll just we're just gonna wrestle <laughs> to see who can ask the most questions. But exactly, <laughs> you know, there's uh um I have a I'm having a, a guy on in a couple of weeks and um. He's a really good friend and he's a sales trainer. And the reason I'm having him on is because he doesn't do um, what most sales trainers do, but they have a whole thing about listening and, you know, the process of the sales process. And a lot of times what happens is, is that I'm so versed in the program that they're training and I won't use the guy, the person, the company's name, but um, they have a, a methodology for the sales process. And what happens is, so I'm sitting here having a natural conversation with them. And I see them making the moves and they're, they're making the moves. And I know that they're not doing it to be insincere, but it's so ingrained into their way of doing something that they have a process and there's, and they're shoehorning me into their process. And I feel like I'm being manipulated. And that's the one thing, because you, you talked about, you know, that's, that's the, the sales training side of it. And you talked, we talked earlier about, you know, you're being the interrogator and obviously nobody wants to be interrogated. So if you shift to being interrogator, people will shut down because they're feeling like they're being quizzed or challenged or what's your agenda, Chad. Right. So, um, how do you, how do you keep it natural? How do you avoid becoming military Chad and be pastor Chad? Yeah, I think that's,
2: I mean, that's one of the, the tougher parts about it. Um, but also I'm, I got out of the military in 2009. So I'm, I'm, Far removed at this point from the the practice of interrogation, although a lot of the skill sets I think I still have. And my kids will probably tell you, especially my oldest, he's eighteen now. He'd probably tell you that I, I can flip into interrogator mode quite quickly if I need to. Well,
1: that's <laughs> that's we had, different. That's different because you'll yeah, be a parent. And sometimes you we, have to,
2: right? Sometimes. And then I've got. Uh, we've got some some like leadership here at the church that has been with us since the beginning. Um, and they were even when I was a young adults pastor and youth pastor they were with us there like in that time so they've been around for eight nine years now and um, they they quite frequently were like we just can't keep anything from Chad like we try and he just somehow gets it out of us and it and I, I can tell when I do it and I think they can tell at this point now but what's interesting in those conversations is I if I step back and really look at it when I'm like trying to like get some information or, you know, figure out what's going on in their lives. I think they know me well enough now to know when I've done that, but they're, I think there's an aspect of like, they know that I care and that there's like a love, you know, love kind of foundation to those questions that um I don't know. I, I think they would say, no, nah, we, we know Chad's doing this cause he cares, mm-hmm. but I, 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 I've definitely had people when I'm like, "Oh, as an interrogator, they're like, oh, interrogate me." I'm like that—that's not really how this works. <laughs> that's thats not a thing. It's not like, all right, you know, put a bright light in your face and start asking you questions. Like that's not quite frequently. I'll just be like, "Oh, well, I have been this whole time. And you just didn't realize it." <laughs> you know, like, right. That, that's just conversation. That's interrogation is not always yelling and throwing things. In fact that's literally the moment you lose any rapport in an interrogation. So um, when everybody thinks of interrogations is like this, like mean guy asking questions, being harsh. When they teach you like your, your steps in interrogation, that that's a last ditch effort. That's because you can't come back from it. There's no rapport building after, you know, yelling and screaming at somebody. So interrogating is just, it's just conversation. It's just right. guiding a
1: conversation. It's really all it is. But it but there is a nuance. I mean, this this for me, this is the um, this is the I would say pushback, I guess is the best way to describe it. When I try to explain to people the probing questions, you know, the follow-up questions, and I use examples, they sometimes feel confronted, like, you know, Dave, you're just trying to get me, you know, the, get me talking. And you're trying to get me to share something that I'm not sure I'm ready. You're, and so it 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 reflects a concern that I'm being manipulated, kind of like I shared with the sales guy, and just like your you know the people at your church. I know Chad. I know his heart. I know what he's doing, but I feel like I'm being confronted with a series of questions to which Chad knows where he wants to go. I mean, so there's <laughs> yeah. it's a slippery slope nuance, isn't it? Oh, uh, it—it definitely. You're right. I mean, it definitely is. Um, there is a
2: there is a major difference in, I'm probing to get answers, mm-hmm. and I'm asking questions because I'm I'm interested and want to understand and want to learn more. There's mm-hmm. they are definitely two separate situations. Um, and I I don't think I flip into the I'm questioning to probe as mm-hmm. often as I I used to. Um, it is fun being a pastor. Um, we're doing, there's also aspects of, I mean, the way the world is now and the way that we set up our church and how we run church in the U S like there is a business aspect at times to the church that we're doing a remodel right now. And I had to have a conversation with some contractors the other day. And when they start trying to push me a little bit and I start, okay, we, I, I can flip that switch on and we can start, let's start asking questions and let's start. All right, so when you said this, oh, oh, he's listening to me, <laughs> like he's right. really, like, oh yeah, I'm paying attention, and and I I need answers, and so we're gonna get there, and so I it it can go there, but most of the time it's not. That's not that's right. not your normal every day,
1: right? Well, just looking by the on the, on the with a smile on your face and that thing that you said, I've never met a stranger, and you love talking to people. I think that that's probably where we connect the most. Is that I find it fun. Energizing, just to sit with people and have a conversation, yeah. and that and that conversation. The 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 key word you've used it several times. The key word in that conversation is is called learning. I am just learning about you. I'm learning to get to know you. I'm learning to understand your story. I'm learning whatever fill in the blank. I think that that's that's pretty much what you're the same thing you're, you're into, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
2: I I want to learn as much about you as I can. Especially like it's those coffee shop moments of meeting someone and like, Oh, what are you doing here? Like, why, why, what what are you working on? What, what is this about? You know, that, that's the, that's fun.
1: Yeah. So much fun for me. It's a blast actually. And I think you know, we're going to get caught up in a break here, but we'll come back on the other side of this. But somebody asked me a long time ago, Dave, if you could do anything and money wasn't, you know, the object. And I've say, I give the same answer every time, and then I wonder why I'm not doing it. But my answer is always, I just want to sit at a coffee shop and meet people. You know, that would be my day.
2: It would be my just day be a, every day. That's me. Just be a pastor.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now we're gonna. That's what we're going to talk about on the other side of this break, is uh, being a pastor in today's society with the label pastor and listening. So I'm going to challenge you a little bit. So uh, we're going to take a break, okay. and we'll be back.
0: Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN.
3: We all struggle with relationship tensions in the home or at work or with a loved one. Often that tension causes us to avoid communicating with that individual because it usually ends up in a fight or an argument that only makes things worse. In the show Stop Telling and Start Listening, host David Cook shares the lessons of his personal experiences to help you engage in healthy, insightful conversations for healing broken or damaged relationships. After a successful professional career as a sales pro, executive, and consultant, David Cook discovered in a significant transformational way the impact a shift in listening had on the father-son relationship during his youngest child's struggles with a heroin addiction. After loving his son with various reactive behaviors of shame, guilt, criticism, judgment, David discovered that when he made a commitment to understand his son's struggles, to learn about the addiction journey from his son's perspective, and meet him where he was in his addiction, David realized he was rebuilding their relationship in powerful, influential ways. David Cho Stop Telling and Start Listening provides listeners guidance and insight to the powers of listening, selfless listening. Instead of avoiding the people we are struggling to understand or communicate with, David provides listeners with tools they can utilize to facilitate an authentic, safe sharing of personal and real perspectives and experiences. He teaches us how to navigate into areas of communication tension to help repair broken or damaged relationships, build trust with those we need to lead or support, and solve complex problems with impactful, lasting solutions. Join David on Mondays at 11 Pacific for a listening session that will help close the divide that exists or is developing between you and others in your community. It's your world. Motivate, change, succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com
0: You're listening to Stop Telling and Start Listening. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Or you can email Dave at dave at the thecookgroupllc.com. Now, back to the show with David.
1: All right, everybody. Thank you for taking a break. And we're back. This is David Cook with Chad Ballou. Um, Chad, we're going to kind of make a little bit of a left turn here. Um, one of the things that you said be- you know, right before the break is, and we, we both agreed, is that we just love the opportunity to meet people where they are. And we love to hear their story and get to know them better, and all the all the wonderful things that come from that. Um, now, here's the challenge, <laughs> and it's it's an experiential challenge. But you know, um, you're a pastor. You talk about um, as a pastor, you share your message and your story um, of practicing love and acceptance as Christ did with you. He loved He loved us. He met us where we were for who we were, and all this stuff. But there's a whole lot of there's a whole lot of people who aren't doing a good job of listening there are a whole lot there are a whole group of people out there who are doing a wonderful job of judging and how do we navigate that when we're we we want people to experience the joy of interacting with each other and even more so the the beautiful gift that comes from interacting with Christians who are celebrating being saved by grace how do you how do you, how do you get through that how do we change that whole landscape just an easy question there how huh, david
2: uh, <laughs> how do you yes. change it
1: all yeah yeah dude solve all the world's problems in the next yeah. 5 minutes
2: oh uh, i think I mean, we're one by one trying to figure out how to do this and i think in like just i, I like you said it's exper- experiential so i could speak from my experience as pastoring this little little community here in san antonio um that's made up of i'd say 70 80% of people that have just been hurt hurt by um in their faith experience hurt in a church environment hurt by other christians um and they've stumbled in here hurt beaten just a lot of them like I, i'll i never they'd say I, i'd never want to go back to church i don't i'm never doing it i can't do it again i don't trust it and they stumble into our community somehow and um And so we, I think one, as a staff and as a pastor, we don't take that for granted. Um, I know that there are a lot of people that are hurt and that we've done a really good job a lot of times as Christians, you know, of being judgmental. Um, I actually said in a a message yesterday, and I stole it from a tweet that I saw. So it's not my words, but I, I loved it. Um, I said, if, if God didn't send Jesus to condemn the world, I doubt he sent you. And, (laughs) and, and I think that the reality is we, we need to step back and, and learn to just appreciate humanity and people. And so what we're trying to do, there's a verse that I, I preach on a lot that I go back to a lot. And I actually the passion translation, the version of it, I, I just really like how it's, how it's translated. But in Colossians 3, 12, it says, you're always and dearly loved by God, which I always just, just stop there. Like you are always and dearly loved by God. Like we can hang there. And then so robe yourself with virtues of God, since you've been divinely chosen to be holy, be merciful as you endeavor to understand others, be compassionate, showing kindness towards all. Be gentle and humble. And then this last one, unoffendable in your patience with others. Hmm. Man, just like trying to learn how to do that is like my life goal as a pastor. (laughs) How do I, how do I become unoffendable in my patience with others? Hmm. Um, How do I show others? Yesterday, as I was teaching, I, I said, you know, what, what, what would it look like if Christians were actually known for like their tenderness towards others? Because a lot of times we're not. And I, I mean, I, I've asked the question before to our community, like, what's a word you would describe a Christian with? And, you know, judgmental is obvious. Oftentimes one of the first ones Like, man, if that's not a word we would describe Jesus as, then we probably shouldn't be described as that as followers of Jesus either. And so what does it look like to be tender with people and loving and kind and compassionate? And I'm at the end of that verse, like unoffendable in my patience, like, Mm. man, that's a big ask, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? Um, But what does that look like? And I think it looks like listening and taking a step back and understanding where people are at, trying to understand that person that's in front of you. Mm -hmm. And so we just go one by one, person by person. Um, culturally, we're in a moment where you know people want proclamations, pronouncements, like they they want a, a written statement on everything. And and I I said yesterday, like, what if we moved from like pronouncements to proximity? Like, we're not we're not here to just make statements on cultural moments. But we're here to be in proximity to people, and mm-hmm. and that like listening happens in proximity. Mm-hmm. It like understanding happens in proximity. So it's being open to who walks in here, and pulling a seat up at the table, constantly making the table longer um, for anyone and everyone that wants to take a seat at it. And um, I get called some names, and uh, <laughs> you know get typically not by non-believers uh if you if you get what i'm (laughs) Mm -hmm. what i'm saying um Mm -hmm. but it i think grace helps me in that where i just i understand who i am i understand Mm -hmm. what god believes about me and thinks about me and so it it frees me to be available for others and to do as best as i can to listen and learn and try to understand people that are walking in these doors and the people that i meet out Mm -hmm. and about I don't know if I answered your question,
1: but you did. You're like well, you're answering it beautifully. You can keep going if you want. Um, that was Colossians. What was it? Colossians three twelve. Three twelve. Okay. That whole that whole kind of passage. I think it's
2: ten through fifteen or just
1: phenomenal. Yeah. I used to uh, I've kind of joked with people and said if you want to boil Christianity down to one verse in the whole Bible, mine was John thirteen thirty five. You you know love others as I have loved you. You'll know your disciples of mine by how you love others. But what you what you've done with the three twelve Colossians three twelve is is that how does it look when you're loving others? Exactly. Yeah, I think that's very powerful. You know, it's interesting though. You, <laughs> um, how'd you get there? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I don't know okay. how I got there, but I'm kind of curious your story. I mean, just, did it just did just you know matured into it or did you have like an epifical moment where it's like yeah i need to change my game
2: no i think i mean there's been a lot so um personally when i was in the military um so i i joined the military right out of bible college i dropped out of bible college actually joined the military um got married right away i was 21 went into the military and um did the two deployments actually right before my second deployment. um, My wife and I at the time decided to get a divorce. And so I'd grown up in a denomination that um, if you were divorced, like you, there was no chance of you ever holding a pastoral office or doing anything like that. And, you know, being a pastor or being ordained. And so um, there was this moment when we got divorced where I, people in my life that had like i'd grown up with as like leaders and then um the people i looked up to were like oh man you lost your calling like should have made this work you should have done you know all, all, mm. all, all the things and i remember going on that second deployment and really just having kind of a faith crisis question like i don't know what's happening um and it was there was a lot going on and uh Long story short, uh, my I, I got remarried years a couple of years later. Uh, but here, here's the crazy part about this: that i pastor a pastor at church in San Antonio. Um, my ex-wife and our families like have a great relationship. In fact, yesterday while I was teaching, my ex-wife, her brother, and her mom were sitting next to my wife and my kids on the front row at our church. Um, and to me, like the the level of like reconciliation and relationship that has happened uh, for them to be sitting on the front row of of our church while I'm preaching is is mind blowing. So the struggle there led me to where I'm at, and then I'm being a guy that likes to ask questions. I'm I'm a guy that always wants to figure out if I got it right. If I'm doing, am I am I figuring this out right? Am I so I'm always questioning. Mm-hmm. So my faith is always, there's aspects of it that I'm always, is this right? Am I doing this right? Am I, did I believe this right? And so, yeah, my my own personal struggle with church and then learning how to question and ask things and the grace new covenant message just kind of like unleashed me into this. So yeah, that's kind of where probably- it started and where we're at
1: which is probably you know we're going to run out of time unfortunately but it's you know to summarize the story probably what I would say is the comfort in knowing who you are allows you to be comfortable with the nature of how you engage people in conversation you trust who you are because you know who you are mm-hmm. and so when you engage in the asking questions and the and meeting people where they are so if you just trust that that's where you're supposed to be and then you you don't create an outcome you just create an opportunity Right. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Okay. Really quick. Uh, I know that your email is Chad at the arsenal.church, correct? That's correct. Um, um, where else can people find you or what would you like to tell people to do? Maybe invite people. You know, if we have any listeners in San Antonio, come hang out and visit you guys at the church.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're, we're, you can find us. It's the arsenal.church is the website that will get you all the info there. Um Or, uh at the Arsenal SA, I think is our Instagram. Um and we do a lot of stuff on there. Uh YouTube, the Arsenal, um, the Arsenal Church on YouTube. We got a lot of videos on there. But yeah, we're in Southtown. We're in the arts district, right next to all the local restaurants and, and bars and all the stuff down here in Southtown. And so um uh, cool place. We're super open community. Uh, come hang out if you're in San Antonio. If you're not YouTube and Instagram are probably the best places to find us
1: not okay. too many Arsenal churches out there. So. Okay. That's a well, whole well. other
2: story. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I know we ran, we ran out of time, but I'm definitely thinking is that I got to have you back on because there's a lot of stuff we could unpack. And so, but this was, we'll call this an introductory interview and we'll get you back <laughs> on again. But uh, thank you, man. I'd I appreciate it. it. This was awesome.
2: David, thanks so much. Yeah. Anytime. This is, this is right. great.
1: So, for uh, people who are listening to this show next week, I have Alice in Paradise on, and she is going to uh, give us some insight on how she works with children, um, anywhere from 10 to uh, adult, you know, like, like, uh, you know, 18, 19 year olds, teaching them how to communicate and giving them, helping them to feel safe so they can say what they're seeing, thinking, and experiencing. So, it's another form of listening. And so that'll be Alice in Paradise next week. But again, Chad, thank you so much for joining me today. And uh, until next time, remember, open your ears, your heart, your mind. Stop telling and start listening. Because once you start listening, everything changes. This is David Cook. You guys have a great week.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Stop Telling and Start Listening. We hope you've picked up on some useful ideas to help you enhance your conversational skills. Until we listen again, have a beautiful week.